It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. so close to being an absolute disaster for the Sharks in the waning seconds of the second period. But Mackenzie Blackwood comes up with a gigantic save and Nico Sturm defensively on the rebound did not allow Zeri to get a second chance. And that's how the second period has concluded. Flames managed to dump it in from the center ice area. Emerson stops it, gives to Vlasic, sends it off the boards and Bailey's out of the zone with it. He sends a long headman feed. Zadina across the line, stick handling, shooting, star! Four points for Philip Zadina. Two goals in the third period. The Sharks are up 5-2. A penalty kill was huge. It gave us a chance to kind of hang in the game. They got up one nothing. They had a couple more power plays to maybe extend the lead. And you know, I thought our power play, a penalty kill was good. Our goalie was really good. In that first period, it could have been worse than one nothing. And you know, we kind of settled down. I thought got better and better as the game went on. All right. Good morning, everyone. How are we all doing? We are waking up winners here on Morning Tide, presented by Coors Light, as the Sharks capitalize on some big opportunities and take down the Flames 6-3 to get a big win and really kind of do what they didn't do the night before in Winnipeg when they lost 1-0, and that was offense across the board, everyone involved, very much the definition of a team win. My favorite thing to do this season when the Sharks do have performances like these where they're scoring lots of goals and they're getting lots of guys involved is just to look at the guys who had multi-point games. Four points for Zadina, who had two goals and two assists. Three go- three points for Bailey, who had a goal and two assists. Two points for Cunning, who had two goals. And then you get into all the guys who had one point in this game. Vlasic, he had a point. Granlund, he had one via goal. Burrows, he had one via an assist. Sturm, one via an assist. Eklund, he had an assist as well. So you look at you know that many contributing players, that many guys getting in on everything. You combine it with the fact that the Sharks um, killed five power plays that the Flames had. That was a oddly paced game. It took a while to get through. Reviews obviously taking a factor in that. But the Sharks kept at it after getting down early. Throughout the game, they were outshot 34-31. The Flames won the faceoffs 33-29. The Sharks did convert on one of their power plays, even if it did take a little bit of a review. Uh, the Flames outhit the Sharks 15-14. Block shots, Sharks one more 18-17. And then you look at the battle of the goalies, Mackenzie Blackwood, 
Three goals against, 34 shots he saw, 31 saves, 9-12 save percentage. I don't really blame him for any of those goals. Uh, then you look at the Flames, you see Wolf. Uh, he gave up six goals on 31 shots that he saw, an 8.06 save percentage. I thought he was dealing with some chaos all night, and I uh, tend to take it easy on the guys who are from the Bay Area. But the Sharks created opportunities. If you saw them, there was much more of an aggressive uh, mentality, just going to the net overall, trying to get into the hard spaces, overall just being more aggressive, being more careful with the puck. It was a complete rectification of what we saw the night before, but they didn't you know, just let everything go. It wasn't like the Sharks just suddenly decided to play care careless hockey and be more offensive and produce at the sake of, you know, all their defense. No, they still played a pretty tight, structured game, I thought. I felt that they were just more aggressive. They gave up an early goal. They had to deal with a lot of time on the penalty kill. Um, and it was a game that was well-managed by everybody out there on the ice. I mean, you're looking at a game in which you're down one nothing on the road. That has an easy chance to get away from you. Um, especially after that first period in which they were down one nothing, like I said, but it could have been worse. You had a, had a feeling that it was almost getting away from them, but they managed it well. And then you get, you know, Granlund. He gets things going. Carpenter picks up there, turns, but he's checked there by Kuzmenko, and the Flames take over. A steal by Zadina in the offensive zone. He stick handles. He throws to the middle of the ice. Here's Granlund just on. Shoot, score! Philip Zadina stole the puck, and Mikhail Granlund deked the puck to the middle, came out to the left, and snapped it up top on Wolf to tie this game 1-1 with 15.08 to go in the second. That makes it a 1-1 game. It was huge for the Sharks to get back into that one, especially relatively early in that second period. So it's 1-1, and this is where the Sharks now start to take control of the game. Just a few minutes later, Justin Bailey, he gets on the board. The Sharks come up with it and move it out. Zadina had a man on the left wing side, but puck was blocked partially by Anderson, so Bailey would have been offside had he touched the puck, but Calgary took care of that. Now they turned it over. Bailey's in the slot. Feeds it over to Zadina. Back to Bailey. Shoots. Score! A spectacular goal by Justin Bailey. Again, assisted by Zadina. The Sharks lead 2-1 to one with 7.50 gone by in the second. And then you had the situation on the power play goal where we didn't know it was a power play goal at first. Final three seconds of Ruta's penalty. Eklund, nice stick handling move across the line. Lead pass, Duclair moving in. Tried to get it to Eklund, he fanned on the puck. Only a couple of seconds of power play time here. Eklund walks behind the net, feeds it in front. Angle shot, right on goal. Sticks a wolf off of Luke Cunning. And the rebound picked up by Calgary. And Backlund just barely cleared it. Knocked down there. Eklund tried to go off the boards. Backlund intercepts. It's back to five on five now as the Flames move into the Sharks zone. And after review... At the 7.30 mark, the puck completely crossed the goal line. Therefore, we have a goal. So the Sharks were suddenly commanding and out in front of this one. It had gone from a 1-0 deficit to suddenly being up 3-1 after Luke Cunning's goal, which Eklund got an assist on, Kyle Burrows as well, and suddenly things were feeling a lot better by the San Jose Sharks, but you knew there was going to be some pushback from Calgary, which they did, Backlund finding the back of the net with just 20 seconds left to go in the period. Backlund turns to the right wing boards with 30 seconds to go. Sends to Coleman in the corner. He took two penalties in the third. Sent back toward the, uh, the second. Sent back toward the point. Just uh, 20 seconds left in the second period here is now a shot toward the net. They score!
Well, a big scrum in front of goaltender Mackenzie Blackwood, but that was Mikhail Backlund curling out of the corner and inside the right wing faceoff circle, just threw it to the net, and somehow it snuck by, and so the Flames get a goal late. It's 3-2. to two. And at that point, you have to wonder which version of the Sharks is going to show up. And I don't say that to be inflammatory, but it is a wonder because it's sometimes throughout this season, they've had really good performances where they've been able to bounce back and really take over a game after falling behind, but you don't know that that's something that's going to happen. Ten years ago, yeah, the Sharks team was capable of bouncing back at any moment. In this moment in time, you don't know what the Sharks are going to do. You don't know how they're going to respond to any game. And even though they had a 3-1 lead with 20 seconds left, suddenly it was a 3-2 game. And, you know, from what we've seen this year, momentum can be taken away from the San Jose Sharks very, very quickly. Uh, But then in the third period, it was Philip Zadina who got the Sharks rolling. Bailey makes a good play off of Sharon Govich, fed it ahead to Zadina on the left, and Sturm shoots off of Zadina. He scores! (laughs) Philip Zadina is going to get credit for the goal, and the Sharks are up 4-2. And I love that because it was early in the third period. At that point, it's 3-2. That game has uh, one of those feelings where the next team to score is going to win it. And it was Adina who showed up at the right place at the right time. Uh, then he was able to extend that. Flames managed to dump it in from the center ice area. Emerson stops it, gives to Vlasic, sends it off the boards, and Bailey's out of the zone with it. He sends a long headman feed. Zadina across the line, stick handling, shooting, star! Four points for Philip Zadina, two goals in the third period. The Sharks are up 5-2. At that point, the Sharks are cruising, and then you have Luke Cunning to get a little bit of the, uh, well, the cherry on top, we'll call it. Here comes Cunning. Breakaway into the zone. Shoot. Star! A turnover by Calgary. Luke Cunning had a free lane from the right wing boards all the way into the circle. And he snaps it home for his second goal of the game. And the Sharks are up 6-2. to two. Snaps it home. Great call there from Ruzi. But yeah, that was just a, a big moment. It was a encapsulation and encapsulation, I should say, of everything the Sharks had done well throughout the course of the game, uh, being opportunistic, most importantly, and just taking advantage of the situations that you have. You get the turnover, you go right up that lane, like you heard Ruzi say, and then find the back of the net, taking control of the game and giving yourself a well-earned two points. Uh, that now has the San Jose Sharks sitting in the uh, second to the last spot in the league right now, uh, a couple of points ahead of uh, Chicago. Uh, but I'm not really worried about that right now. I know that there are probably going to be tougher times ahead for San Jose, who at this point of the season have 35 points and are four points clear of Chicago. They are five points back of Anaheim as well, for those of you keeping track, and only seven points back of Columbus, uh, who are going to be in town uh, this weekend. But, yeah, the fact is the Sharks had a good performance. They needed a good night. They had had that tough loss to go into the break to Anaheim. They had had a tough loss last night in which they were not able to, um, you know, just fully take advantage of the opportunities they had, or two nights ago, I should say, in Winnipeg. And then they bounced back last night by being just a more complete team. They're big on the penalty kill. Uh, They were good on defense. Their offense was more aggressive. They took better care of the puck. And they got, once again, a really nice performance from their goalie, who I'm not blaming him for any of those goals. Mackenzie Blackwood still looking very, very good. And um, that's exactly what they needed. And Mackenzie Blackwood, again, the, the big saves that he comes up with at times, just shutting the door, making great pad saves, blocker saves, being acrobatic, being athletic. For a guy who had been associated with an injury history and a high level of potential, 
he maximized that in his offseason, and he's looked exactly like the guy that was hyped up uh, to be what he was, why there was so much uh, you know, excitement about him and buzz earlier in his career, only to have that derailed by injuries. And you know, one of my favorite storylines out of this entire season is that Mackenzie Blackwood, who is just a, a massive, massive human, um, has done it through yoga and Pilates. I mean, everyone likes to think that it's the the squat rack and the bench press that's going to make everybody a better athlete. Uh, but in his instance, it was taking care of his mobility, his flexibility, doing the soft tissue work, making sure he was more, um, I don't know, I guess pliable as a human to absorb some of the odd angles and awkward hits that you take as a goalie. And, you know, the balance that he and Capo Kakadin have been able to you know, do between the two of them where they're, you know, both getting good starts and going back and forth. And, you know, David Quinn doesn't feel like he's forced into a panic situation. I think right now, both Mackenzie Blackwood and uh, Capo Kakinen are playing with a lot of confidence. And you see it when you watch Mackenzie Blackwood uh, make phenomenal saves. Down one nothing. Here come the Sharks. Send to the middle. Here's Sturm across the line. Dishes to the right to Hoffman. Back to the point. Shot by Emerson. Blocked. Headman feed. Jonathan Huberdeau's got a breakaway. He's into the Shark zone. He dinks. And he's stopped by Blackwood. An incredible save by McKenzie Blackwood with 14.44 to go in the first against a man who is used to putting it in the net. You know, those early saves you don't really think about so much when you end up winning 6-2, to two, but when the Sharks were down one nothing. Early in that game, they were on the ropes a little bit, and there were chances where Mackenzie Blackwood shut the door, and that's exactly what you need to have from your goalies. It was a big performance from him. It was a big performance from the Sharks, and now they get to come home and take on Columbus and uh, see if they can put forth a good show in front of their home fans, and that's the start of five at home, so that's also big for the Sharks, just to have that consistency, just to be able to be at home, just to be able to... uh, not have to be out on the road as much as they have been. And, you know, January, it was a split seven and seven, but, you know, there were some, you know, long traveling involved with that road trip. And then you had the break. So now you can get into a little bit of routine consistency. Hopefully we'll get an update in the near future about Logan Couture. But, you know, for the Sharks, as I have said this, I do think there are probably trades coming. I do think that there is probably going to be a, a lesser talented team out there on the ice in a few weeks. And that's going to make the end of the season probably difficult. And I'm not saying that to be negative, but it's like, you got to be realistic. The Sharks are in the midst of a rebuild and they're trying to make themselves a better team for the future. It's going to involve some trades. Even a guy like Mikhail Granlund, who made a really nice play last night and got the Sharks on the board early and has been a big part of the Sharks offense when he's been healthy. I cannot blame another team coming to Mike Greer and saying, what do you want for him? and finding out the asking price and seeing if there's a deal there. I would not be surprised if teams were coming in and looking, uh, you know, at a player like a Capo Kakinen or Mackenzie Blackwood. Again, these are things that I'm just speculating on. I don't have any insider info. I'm just going off what we've said all year long, what we've seen all year long from everyone just being aware in the NHL that when the Sharks are at the deadline, they could be sellers. I mean, I'm sure that even though Mike Hoffman and Anthony Duclair are not, you know, performing at wildly high levels. You know, there's other teams that say, hey, I know if we put them on a more talented team, their production goes up. Um, So that's something you've got to take into consideration as well. So while the rest of the year might provide greater opportunities for younger players to continue their development, like a Shakir Mukmadulin, for instance, I'm also looking at the here and now and saying, yeah, this Sharks team, 
um, has the ability to try and have some feel-good moments right now to take advantage of their relatively intact team, even without Logan Couture, even without Tomas Hurdle, and try and get themselves um, you know, some feel-good moments, some points on the board before they get into the uh, later parts of the season where it's not going to be as easy. And I say that with all the knowledge of knowing what they're headed for with what we're expecting at the trade deadline. So, again, enjoy it now. I think this team has been deserving of more than they have received this year from the hockey gods or however you want to perceive it. And so when you have these moments like you do last night where everything falls into place, the stars align, the Sharks play one of their most convincing and easiest games of the year in terms of walking away with a convincing win. I feel like those have been few and far between. When they had one against St. Louis earlier this year where they had a 5-2 win, you know, the 6-2 convincing wins where they're just dominant once they get rolling. That's not been too often this year. It's not been too frequent. So for the Sharks right now, yeah, I'm enjoying this. That was a fun game last night. That was, you know, just excellent to watch the Sharks perform at such a high level. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, we are going to get into post-game reaction, hear from the Sharks what they thought about this one, what worked, what was going through their heads. That's all coming up next on Morning Tide, presented by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Seconds of the power plays, he dumps in. McDonald grabbed it, trying to go back to the point. And again, a good jump by Condry to steal it. Gets by Cunnett, two on one to Metalpink. Lead on the right, here's a shot. Oh, and a save. A spectacular stop by a sliding Mackenzie Blackwood against Kevin Rooney, who moved in with Condry on the two on one. You just play with a different level of swagger and confidence when you know you're going to get goaltending like that. You know, those two guys have had great years, and I'm not surprised they picked up when they left off. Welcome back. You're on Morning Tide on the Sharks Audio Network. A save from Mackenzie Blackwood and then head coach David Quinn bringing us back in. Yeah, if you look at the way the goalies have played for the Sharks in their first two games back from the break, they've given up four goals in two games. That's two goals against average. Um, but you have to look beyond that and just say the way that both of those guys have played, both Capo and McKenzie, the big stops they've made. Um, you know, you had last night a situation with uh, McKenzie was not the guy who was to blame for any of those goals. He ended up with a 9-12 save percentage. And then you look at the night before with Capo only giving up one goal. I won't even say giving up, being on the hook for the one goal. He had a 9-74 save percentage. So with all the shots the Sharks saw in the last two nights, only give up four goals in two games. It's amazing that they did not win that game last night because if you say they only gave up two goals against on average in your first two games back from the break and that you had seven goals in your favor. If we're looking at the soccer aggregate here, as one does, uh, the Sharks have uh, won these games 6-4, but obviously only ended up with a 1-1 one one record, and so much of that had to do with the offense coming to life, but you can't look beyond the goalies. Let's hear from Mackenzie Blackwood talking about whether or not he thought it was goalie interference at the end of the second period. Uh, I mean, you never know these days with the league. Uh, so unpredictable what they call goalie interference or not, but uh, to me, uh, I couldn't I couldn't slide off the post, push into the save because you know the skates were were against my leg. So you know if those two guys weren't there, you know their guy and our guy, 
uh, and I don't know if he was pushing him into into Addison and whatnot, but uh, I would have been able to slide into that puck and been able to make that save. But you know, it's just nice to be able to get that one. Sharks penalty kill on fire, seventeen in a row. They have now killed. Yeah, I mean, guys uh, know their assignments. Uh, you know, we've been together for a little bit longer now. You know, it's a a group that's just kind of got together. Uh, you know, this year plus we've had a lot of injuries and stuff. So uh, you know, time playing together helps. Uh, guys can read off each other, and they're just. Uh, you know, being smart, uh, holding their positions and not panicking. And, uh, you know, everyone's doing a good job of uh, you know, covering their guys. And I agree with everything you said, particularly about the guys knowing their assignments and knowing each other longer on the ice. Now they've had a whole season in which they've gotten used to each other, 53 games now up to this point. And I realize that probably in this offseason, it's once again going to be a year of great turnover as the Sharks try and, you know, work towards the future and get control of their salary cap and bring in new players and development. And it's unfortunate to see this, you know, development come at a point where you are not in playoff contention. But I do think it speaks well of David Quinn and his staff of having the guys motivated and having them working towards a greater end. It's not just about the playoffs. It's about being a better team. It's about being better hockey players. It's about playing for something greater than just the championship. And that's not always the easiest thing to do when you are at the bottom of the league or second from the bottom and you're out of the playoff race and you know that the team you're on is in the midst of a rebuild. That doesn't make you have the opportunity or have the desire for every player to give it their all. And I'm not saying that that's how every player in the NHL is or anything like that, but I think that when you're out of a race and you're not really part of something that's building towards the immediate future, you can lose your focus. You can lose your drive, your desire, but that's, again, a credit to David Quinn and his coaching staff to have these guys really focused and playing for something more than just, like I said, the Stanley Cup. More on that team organization from McKenzie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, guys are doing a better job of not panicking when something breaks down. So let's say they make a, a good play and beat one guy. Well, the other guy's not going to race over there out of position and give them the next play, you know. So we're doing a good job of limiting, you know, uh, chances from uh, going from one bad chance to two and then three, you know what I mean? So it's uh, it's a good job and everyone's, uh, you know, playing with a lot more boys. Yeah, I think earlier this year you could see it. Um, David Quinn made the quote that the team was playing like nobody trusted each other, and you hear McKenzie allude to the fact that you know earlier this year guys were out of position, guys were not in the right place at the right time, guys were just all over the ice trying to you know cover each other or not understand that guys would know their assignments, and you know that would lead to great openings on the ice for the opposition because guys were out of position, and that's just. That's to be expected when a team doesn't know each other, but now this team, even in light of all the injuries, guys have a better understanding of where they're supposed to be. Guys have a better understanding of what they're supposed to be doing, and you know, very much in the same way that we would say you know, a catcher in baseball sees the whole field, you know, the goalie in hockey, he sees the whole ice. There's only two guys out there that get to see the play developing as it goes away and as it comes at them. And especially as it comes at them, they are very much aware of those defensive assignments. And I think that for Mackenzie Blackwood, he is a very trusted uh, person to hear talk about what the Sharks are doing that much better on defense or not panicking or understanding where they need to be. That to me is one of those things that you point out and you say, that's improvement that is tangible beyond wins and losses. If the goalie says the structure that he has seen is improving, even in the midst of what has been a down year, that tells you that there are positive things happening. No, you're not always going to get a win, and yes, it's more apparent when you're in a dominant 6-3 win, but at the same time, you know that doesn't necessarily have to happen. You can win 6-5 just as well as you can 6-3.
but it was nice for McKenzie to get some of that offensive support. Yeah, obviously, anytime you'll take that, uh, much appreciated for me. You know, obviously, uh, Chapel played a hell of a game last night. Uh, definitely deserved to win, but, uh, you know, as a team, uh, it's nice for us to be able to get two points in which way we can. And a cool one here at the end, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood talking about the influence of Thomas Spears on his game. Uh, you know, it's been great. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's believed in me since day one, really helped me, uh, you know, refine my game. You know, things were a little bit rough there with me last year coming in off some injuries and stuff, just having trouble finding my game. But uh, this year's been great. You know, um, uh, he's helped me a lot, and I'm just uh, feeling pretty good. And, uh, you know, I like where my game's headed. Yeah, like I said earlier, Mackenzie Blackwood has been playing up to his potential all throughout this year. He looks absolutely phenomenal. And, um, you know, both him and Kappa, really. You got to give credit to both those guys. You heard David Quinn coming back talking about both of them picking right up where they left off going into the break. They've looked phenomenal. They're giving the Sharks a chance in every game. And, uh, you know, they got that offensive support that they did not give Kapo the night before. Philip Zadina weighed in, talking about his offensive night. Two goals, two assists. This is what he had to say after the big win. Yeah, I felt pretty good, obviously. Uh, you know, we haven't scored as line in a little bit, but, uh, you know, we just got rewarded for the work we've done recently. <laughs> Love seeing the checkmates get in on the scoring, especially when Tomas Hurdle is out. By the way, uh, raise your hand if you were nervous like me when Jan Ruda went down uh, on the ice. That was I just, I can't take any more injuries with this team. You know, we had Nico Sturm, you know, he was knocked out of the game two nights ago and he was able to come back. We've got no Logan Couture. We've got no Tomas Hurdle. You're always just scared. Capo Kakinen cramping up the other night. It was just like, guys, come on. We need to stay healthy. More from Zadina asked to evaluate his season up to this point. Recently, I've done way better. I mean, better job in the D-zone. You know, we're not giving up that. That many goals than uh, at the beginning of the season, obviously the uh, the crazy number I have. So I'm trying to you know just uh, put a bandage on on the wound and, and trying to get better, you know, going lower a little bit. And then once you know once I do that, just uh, the hockey's easier. I still think there is a lot of potential with Zadina going forward. I, I think he's just a guy who has to find his game, and it feels like once he does find his game, then he can become a good you know, probably bottom six style forward in the NHL. I think there's a lot of potential. Some nights he's out there. He's looked like he's shot out of a cannon. You know, he's got good speed. He's got good vision out there. I just think there's uh, there's some gaps in his game. And I think that's what's holding him back right now. There's also some consistency issues. But you see the potential on nights like last night where he just looks absolutely like he's in control of his game. He alluded to the game, you know, making the game easier for himself. And I think that's just what you want to see more of from now till the end of the year. What can Zadina bring you? Quinn weighed in on the nights for Cunning and Zadina as well as Bailey. Well, it's good to see. I mean, those guys work so hard night in and night out. And to see him get rewarded on the stat sheet, it's a great feeling. Quinn was asked more about Luke Cunning looking at his season overall up to this point. Well, I thought he's gotten better and better as the year's gone on. Obviously, coming back from the injury from last year, missing all last year. And, you know, I thought it took him a little bit of time maybe to get his speed back. But I just think he's gotten better and better as the year's gone on. And I feel that's to be expected with a guy that's coming back from a torn ACL, but he is looking more and more like the player that you expect him to be. Um, picking up all those points last night, it was good to see. Obviously, hope more for Luke Cunningham that he continues to stay healthy uh, because that's just the key for so many of these guys. I mean, I know that we see a guy come back from an injury, cleared to play is not the same as being the same player they were before the injury. It takes time. It's not just about being healthy. You got to get your wheels back. You got to get your timing back. You got to get your rhythm back. You got to get so much back when you're coming back from an injury of that nature. 
Justin Bailey had his first three-point night in the NHL. This is what he had to say after the win. Uh, I think for, for my line as a whole, um, you know, being the fourth line, I think we're, um, you know, there's things that we have to do on a mega basis, and that's be reliable defensively, uh, making sure we're winning our one-on-one battles, um, and kind of um, doing the, make sure we're doing the little things um, all night. And uh, anytime you're able to, um, you know, come out and help the team out, whether it be scoring or little things, uh, I'm just happy that we were able to get two points tonight. And he also talked about Philip Zadina feeding him on that goal and Zadina's play throughout the season. Yeah, I think um, you know, for Z, he's obviously a very, very, very skilled player. Um, but you know, the puck of the net. Um, but like you said, he's been in, in a depth role uh, along with myself and Carfrey. So um, you know, there's there's little things within the game that um, you know, I think all, any player can improve on. It's, uh, it's a much different game from line one to line four. So, um, you know, anytime uh, you know, you're able to get the puck, in his hands, um, in, in a scoring opportunity, obviously he's a he's a high pick. He's a skilled player for a reason, and um, you saw that uh, showcase tonight. William Eklund did register a point in the game, but he was not one of the quote-unquote stars. However, David Quinn was pleased with his game, even if he did have an early uh, misplay that led to that goal from the Flames. Yeah, I thought he had a really good game. I thought in all three zones he was good. He was effective in the offensive zone. I thought he really did a great job off the rush. Uh, obviously, he'd like to have the goal back, but you know, I thought he did a lot of good things tonight. And I think that's a good sign from a young player is that they're not letting a mistake take them out of the game. You need to be able to have that consistency from the start through the finish. If you have a bad play, forget about it, move forward, take yourself to that next level, which I think we saw from William Eklund. He was able to reestablish himself in the game, didn't let it bother him, and then was helpful for the Sharks along the rest of the way, like I said, picking up a point. So I have no problem with William Eklund making a mistake. That's going to happen. It's all about the response to the mistake, right? Like, what do they do next? And William Eklund showed that he was ready to step up to that moment. All right, we are just about out of time here on Morning Tide on the Sharks Audio Network. But we will continue to be busy. The Sharks hosting Columbus on Saturday night, 7.30 go time, 7 o'clock pregame right here on the Sharks Audio Network. I unfortunately will not be in the building. I'm going to be hanging out at NBC doing pre and post with, I assume, Brody. I, I, you know, it could be somebody else, but I assume I'll get to see uh, the double Bs there. And then Saturday, we've got an afternoon go time, 1 o'clock hosting the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm excited for that one. It's always fun when Vegas comes in town. And Barracuda are busy, too. They're at it Saturday night at 7. Uh, they are away at Bakersfield, but you can listen to that game at uh, sjbarracuda.com slash listen, or you can select the Barracuda tab on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app, powered by Western Digital. All right, that's all I got for you today, folks. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.